are listening to KGNU Boulder, Denver, and Fort Collins. And right now, in our studios, it is 8.35. Welcome to our Colleen Trends panel discussion. I am your host, Rosanna Longobetter, and today we will be talking about bilingual education as Boulder Valley School District have been starting to request input from parents in how to go about increasing the opportunities for those students that are already in bilingual dual language model and also the opportunity and challenges for those students that are bilingual because their Spanish is their mother tongue but they have not continued with a formal education in their language. Our guests today are Superintendent of Boulder Valley School District, Dr. Rob Anderson, and Board Member District G. Yes, I got it right. Richard Garcia uh, here with us in studios. Welcome to this conversation today. And I'm just going to make the joke already right away. I requested Dr. Anderson and Richard Garcia, to come to the studios for a mano a mano. And let me explain to you what I mean when I say a mano a mano. Normally, when you are in a party, that is normally a peña. A peña, for us Latinos, is people bring instruments, and they need to sing, and everybody needs to contribute. Otherwise, nobody eats. Either you have to sing, dance, or recite a poem, but everybody has to be included. So, And also, mano a mano can be seen as... Um, Bullfighters do mano a mano. They fight with their capes. And it is a beautiful dance with the animal, but at the same time, it's the real thing. So today, this conversation, I'm bringing this power image because it is, personally for me, a super important conversation today to have. Why? Because as I am the bilingual equity reporter here at the station, for me, it's extremely important that we keep our language, that we keep our culture, and that we are able to utilize media in the two languages because it is a powerful tool. And with that, I want to make sure that I allowed my guests today to introduce themselves briefly the way you would like to be introduced, and we can start this conversation because I have a lot of questions. And since it's going to be a calling show, we have also the opportunity to hear from our listeners about their thoughts and dreams about bilingual education today. Welcome, Richard Garcia, please. Muchas gracias. Uh, my name is uh, Richard Garcia, and uh, many people call me Ricardo, especially in the family. And I am a school board member representing District G, which covers Lafayette, parts of Erie, Boulder County, part of Erie or the Boulder Valley School District part of Erie, and uh, it covers a little bit of Louisville. And I have been a resident of Boulder County since 1970. Thank you. Dr. Anderson. Good morning, Rosanna. First, I want to start by thanking you for inviting us here this morning for this exciting conversation. Um, and I really appreciate your passion 
Uh, as you'll hear as we begin to speak, Richard and I share that passion, and we're very excited uh, for the opportunities that we're going to be providing for students throughout our district in regards to bilingual education. Uh, this is my fourth year. I'm finishing up my fourth year uh, as superintendent here in the Boulder Valley School District. Very proud to be here. I have two children that are, have been served incredibly well by our schools, um, live in Louisville, and um, just feel truly honored to be able to live here, work here, and serve our community. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Thank you so much, and thank you for coming to the studios. I know you are super busy, so you, you are taking time to have this conversation here in person. So yes, it is super, super nice to have people come back to the station, sit with us, and have this kind of really strong conversations with the hard questions. Thank you for coming. What is the difference between the models that we have right now in the school district. I know that we have this dual dual language, and we also have something that is different, that is a way of learning the language and living, um, you know, learning both, but in a way that is different. So we have two schools, Pioneer in Lafayette, and we also have Unihill here in Boulder. So if for our listeners, if you can explain that, I think it will be fantastic. So we can draw a picture. Absolutely. And, and I'll invite Richard to correct anything that uh, if I get anything wrong. Uh, Richard was our first um, bilingual coordinator for the school district back in the 70s and has such a wealth of knowledge. It's been such a an asset for us as a school district to have him on our board of education as we've really started to dive into this topic. Um, so there's two models uh, th that are different um, between Pioneer and Uni Hill. Um, Uni Hill is what you would call a 50-50 model uh, with the idea that, that Spanish and English, uh, the content is taught in Spanish and English 50% of the time um, in both languages. And at Pioneer, um, we have a 90-10 model um, where the idea is that the language that students are trying, trying to acquire, which is Spanish, is 90% of the instructions in Spanish, 10% is in English. And every year that kids progress through the school, um, it, be, it gets closer to a 50-50 model. So two different models that are, that, are, um, that, that are existent today in the Boulder Valley School District. I would say that as we think about evaluating models. And over the course of the next year, Rosanna, as you talked about, we're going to be engaging our community, really diving into the models, the programming. You know, How do we ensure that every student, every child in our community has an equitable opportunity to, um, to get a bilingual education? But there's really three uh, pillars of dual language education that we'll be focusing on. It's bilingualism and biliteracy, uh, making sure that all students are able to achieve grade level academic achievement, um, and then cross-cultural competence. And so those will be the lenses that we look at all of the programs. Uh, but today we have two distinct uh, different models. And I'd invite Richard to, to, um, to share any um, other information to help provide some depth to the conversation. No, uh, uh, Rob, you're absolutely right in terms of your description of both the 90-10 and also the 50-50 model. I think what makes that 50-50 model pretty unique is that you have what you call the lang first language, second language, and you have two different classrooms, one where it's taught by a sp native 
Spanish speaker, uh, and then the other one is taught by a native English speaker, and then they switch back and forth. Uh, but uh, it's been a, a proven model, and I think uh, uh, some of your bilingual experts may say that it's uh, 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 it, it's a model that has withstanded over time. That it, it's uh, it's it's a model that works. Now, ninety ten, I know that in Laf- in Lafayette and at Pioneer, they switched to that model because a lot <coughs> of the kids were coming in as first language Spanish speakers, and they decided that they wanted to have the kindergarten, especially, would be 90% Spanish. And then, as Rob mentioned, it would uh, move uh, up a scale in terms of the English language coming in. So by the time they get through the fifth grade, it's up to a 50-50 model. Richard Garcia and Dr. Rob Anderson talking about this morning about bilingual education and the and the different models that Boulder Valley School District offers to students. We are also having the opportunity this morning to get your calls. So I'm just going to go ahead and give the phone number. And we have right now <coughs> students here that will answer those phones. And it happens to be that one of them is bilingual, bicultural, and his name is Luis. So he's waiting for your calls. The phone number is 303-442-4242. If you are an educator or if you're a parent or if you know somebody that is taking Spanish classes at school or if you know somebody that wants their kids to take classes as they come in into Boulder Valley School District in that second language to acquire that second language, call us 303-442-4242. We continue the conversation, and I just want to right away ask the hard question, because yesterday we had the opportunity to listen from Tania, Dr. Tania Hagen from CU Bueno Center, and she spoke about something that it is extremely important to take into account, that as Boulder Valley School <coughs> District or other schools or other uh, places that are trying to educate our kids are thinking about growing more Spanish. Uh, The idea of also having this in mind that it has to be with an equity lens. Um, I don't know if you were able to listen to the interview I sent. I would love to hear from you your thoughts about this interview. I I, I did listen to the interview and... uh, uh, a couple of things that she mentioned that I thought were uh, pretty spot on, uh, and that is that, and, and there's reasons for this too, by the way, that uh, when you have programs, bilingual education programs, it's the f- first language English speakers that reach fluency faster than the second language Spanish speakers, but there's reasons for that. Uh, and I can explain that if you want me to, but, but there's reasons for that. One is that you have to remember that English language is supported and it's the environment all over our society as opposed to Spanish, okay? So the Spanish language is not as, uh, uh, it, it's not all over the place like, like the English language is. And, and frequently what I tell uh, parents that, that uh that have reluctancy in terms of, well, I think I should put my kid in an English-speaking program as, as opposed to a Spanish-speaking program. 
I keep reminding them, like you suggested earlier, that my advice to you was don't forget the language, don't forget the culture, because that is the uh, seams, you know, like on a shirt that hold the culture together, okay? Um, so what I remind our parents is you got to take care of your language because we're in English-speaking environment and English will take care of itself, okay? So you got to remember that you got to take care of your language. Uh, and But we need support from the school system in order to do that. So there's a couple of things that, uh, that she mentioned. One was that the uh, English-speaking student would come out more fluent than the Spanish-speaking student, and that as you move along the, the trajectory of public education, that there's no more bilingual opportunities. So consequently, when they finish, uh, it's usually the English speaker that is the fluent speaker of, of two languages, and the Spanish speaker is still behind a little bit in terms of acquiring the, the second language, English. And then sometimes they don't lose the accent. And then if you look at some of the discrimination that goes on in our system today, it's based on accent. Okay, a lot of a lot of folks don't get jobs because they go in there with a heavy accent and they don't think that they're a good match for whatever job they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But what I say about the accent, it's beautiful. Keep it. Don't lose it. Okay, because for me, it's 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 what distinguishes between a person uh, that is bilingual, bicultural. okay, and another person that is not. So uh, but anyway, that that's that that was a controversy that I heard on that uh, interview that you had with uh, uh, Tanya. Richard Garcia, you are right on. Our accents are our signature. We have our unique voices, and that's who we really are. It's almost like nobody else has your voice, your accent, so it's beautiful. But guess what? We already have somebody calling. I have Nancy from Louisville um, on the line. Nancy, are you there? I am here. Wonderful. Do you have a question? For the well, I have gentlemen a question, and, a question and I should probably mm-hmm. contextualize it. I'm the former director of Literacy and Language Support Services in Boulder Valley. Um, in the 90s, I helped to found Pioneer and Washington, which no longer exists. My child went to the bilingual program um, at both Washington Bilingual and Casey Middle School. And I think that um, in there probably needs to be a long off-air conversation as well. There's two things that... Um, I hope that the district will take into consideration. One is that the problem with models and just looking at models is that it doesn't take into account what's the particular population. And we try to fit kids into a model instead of delivering services according to who the students are. And one of the discrepancies between the English-speaking, native English-speaking, and native Spanish-speaking population in Boulder County um, very often is immigrant status, socioeconomic conditions. And so if English-speaking, native English-speaking kids are achieving more, it has as much to do with their socioeconomic status in the society and their white privilege as it does with exactly what the model is. And I'm not saying that we don't need an organizational structure for the students, but I'm not convinced that the difference between 90-10 and 50-50 is what makes the difference in outcomes. I support both um, approaches, but understanding that the reason that we want to have bilingual education in the first place is to be able to deepen conceptual development. 
and maintain um, culturally sustaining practices so that as Richard is talking about, that kids enter school and continue through school and leave school proud of who they are and what they represent and the benefits of being bilingual. So I'm, I'm just wondering for the superintendent how you have thought about countering what has been a historical positioning of bilingual students in Boulder Valley as needing remediation, rather than seeing bilingualism, multilingualism, not in three schools as an asset, but in um, as an, a goal for every child who enters the district and affirming multilingualism, not just through a model, but by the way we approach kids who come from different, um, both language and dialectical backgrounds. And I'll stop pontificating now. Thank you, Nancy, so much for that comment. Superintendent, you can answer the question. And I'll get off the phone. Thank you so much. That's the reason I really like working here. We, we get amazing listeners and amazing questions. Well, first of all, Nancy, thank, thank, you, for, uh, thank you for calling in. And um, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to meet you. I look forward to meeting you as we start to begin to engage our community on this topic. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Nancy, you know, certainly brings a level of expertise to our conversation, which is wonderful. You know, I think as, as we think about evaluating our programs, right, and, and we're, um, I think it's important to note that as we go through an evaluation, we don't have a predetermined what we're trying to figure out. I think that we're going to bring in some expertise, and we do think that there can be multiple models. Um, it's why that I focused on our three pillars of dual language education, which is going to really be the lens in which we look at the models that we have or models that we'll grow around this idea of bilingualism and biliteracy, grade-level academic achievement, and cross-cultural competence. Um, I think that that's important. You know, Nancy br um, brings up a really important point that there are other factors for students who would be seeking a bilingual education that could impact their ability to be successful as we think about some of their conditions, free and reduced lunch, or, um, you know, if they're if there are issues that that um, that could challenge their learning, and I think that as a system, we're working on those things um, parallel to building bilingual education programs. Um, and so, as we think about our all together for all students strategic plan, it's really focused on providing and making sure that every student in our school district has supports that they need to be challenged, um, and be and be able to leave our system um, and go on and do whatever it is they dream to do. And so, I think that there's there's lots of supports that we're thinking about, financial resources, staffing resources, um, and it's going to be an important aspect of this conversation moving forward. How do you truly staff and fund a school that offers a bilingual program? And is that different than a school that does not have a bilingual program? Does it take more people? Does it take a different level of expertise? I think over the next year, those are the questions that we hope to begin to answer. Um, and, you know, the, the idea of of, of all schools having bilingual programs, I'm not sure that that's where we'll end up, but I do think the important, um, the important place we're trying to get to is all students have an equitable access to those programming. Uh, so I think that that's our goal. We're, we have lots of community conversations. Nancy, I hope you'll continue to be a part of that. You can always reach out to me. I'd love to have coffee with you and, and learn a little bit more about some of your thoughts and understanding as we really you know, engage our community, engage staff, engage the, the wonderful expertise that exists here in, in the Boulder Valley School District, um, and put together a plan that moves 
moves this forward, allows us to move forward with confidence um, and provide what I think is just an incredible uh, value to our community and to our kids, which is everyone getting access to the opportunity to have a bilingual education. Dr. Rob Anderson, Boulder Valley School District Superintendent, talking about the options of bilingual education at the district, but also the desire to increase more Spanish, more access to the language. I just want to say it openly. I heard from Richard Garcia that this is a huge opportunity to have you sitting in this position of power of decision-making because you are a real ally for our community and that if things need to get done, you will get them done. Especially because, as we know, sadly, our students, Latino students, have a huge gap in education. It's the biggest in the state. Richard, do you want to make a comment around this? Why is this? Why does it happen to us? Well, there's there's a, a lot of reasons why, but I think the major reason that I see as it relates to uh, bilingual education, bicultural education in our systems, uh, and not not in Boulder Valley, but but it wasn't it wasn't as great as it is today. You have to remember that Boulder Valley School District has a history, uh, and uh, and I always go back because I've been in Boulder Valley School District. Uh, area since 1970. And as early as 1972, Boulder Valley School District had uh, uh, provided opportunities for kids, uh, Latino kids and kids of color, uh, to attend uh, bilingual summer programs. And the reason I know that is because I was the coordinator of those bilingual summer programs, and it went on from 72 to 75 or something like that. but it was then that we started looking at bilingual education in, in Boulder Valley School District way back in 1972. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I need to remind people that there was an element of racism in our community that really made bilingual education controversial. And we had to do a lot of work uh, to... to bring that level of, of, of discrimination or, 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 or attitudes of bigotry down a little bit because even some of our school board members way back then, you know, when you brought up the subject about bilingual education, they would always say, well, Spanish, you should teach it at home. Your culture, you should teach it at home. The schools don't have anything to do with any of that stuff. But it was in 1972 that I attended a... Um, conference, a World Affairs conference in CU Boulder, and it was because a professor by the name of Rolf Kielseth brought in the bilingual education director nationally from the feds. His name is Albar Peña, and he was talking about bilingual education and the dollars that were available from the federal government to school districts to implement bilingual education programs. I heard that, and man, I really got hooked on that. And we developed a couple of proposals to submit to our school district board of education, and and it didn't go anywhere. Okay, uh, but that's what I mean. There's an element in here that that not not so much anymore in Boulder Valley School District because of the leadership that we have, 
in our board of education that we have. Uh, but prior to that, it was not that easy. And it was like that all over the state of Colorado. Okay. Richard Garcia talking about the history behind bilingual education. Right now, it's 9 o'clock, and you are listening to KGNU, Boulder, Denver, and Fort Collins. And believe me, we have another call. We have Jim and on the line. And Jim, can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, wonderful. You are on air. Do you have a question? Great. Yes, uh, thank you for uh, your your efforts and for having hosting this dialogue. Um, I... I'm a little older, out of school, don't have children, but I was a victim of a poorly, um, a good, uh, you know, it was it was a good thought to to train us in bilingual education and get me Spanish fluent. But they drilled me when I was a very little kid, and I learned all these long Spanish things as, as a like uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, just as a string of 10 numbers, and I have to count it out to do it. So it screwed me up to be able to, to learn Spanish. Um, but but there are strong benefits. And so I ended up taking German and became somewhat, somewhat literate in German, um, not anymore. But there are strong benefits of bilingual education for for people understanding the world, for having empathy and so forth. And I was wondering if the more scholarly uh folks that are that are with you could talk about the benefits of bilingual education and what what coming out with the bilingual capability uh, will will enable or the benefits of it relative to just being monolingual and then the other question I had was just could we hear these two models the the 50 50 from the start model and the you know, 90-10 and going up to 50-50, are there different performances being noted? Is one of those models proving better? Are there other models that other schools, school districts in the country are trying? So those are my, my questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim, so much for those questions. Uh, uh, hi, Jim. Uh, this is Richard, and uh, I appreciate your question. Uh Absolutely, there's benefit to being bilingual, and, uh, uh, and and not just in Spanish English. I mean, it could be any other language in English, but bilingual, I think, is uh, is a benefit for the individual plus for society. Because if you look at the world today, it's changing rapidly, and the tapestry of of uh, people from different cultures is uh, getting larger. Uh, so being bilingual, I think, is an added benefit uh, for whatever you're doing, whether you're seeking a job, uh, you want to, uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, so, so yeah, there's there's benefit. And then, you know, when we started this journey in bilingual education way back in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, the world wasn't as small as it is today because of your internet uh, but it was small because people could get on an airplane and fly to whatever country they wanted to go. And then when you got there and if you didn't know the other language, well, you were lost. Okay, so it, it's got some some really, really great benefits in terms of being bilingual. Um, and, and, you know, what, I, what, what really bothers me a lot in terms of bilingual education or the system, let's put it that way, is what occurred way back in, in the early 60s and, and on even the 50s and on to the 80s and, and even so, even as far as 90, uh, if you look at 
the history of of society kind of raping, I guess, if you will, your culture and your language. Take a look at what happened to the Native Americans in the border schools. I mean, that that was a, 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 a cultural genocide. So, so even with the Spanish language, I know that that uh, some schools, some teachers were trying to do the same thing, but not as bad as the cultural genocide that occurred with the Native Americans. But they did have little tactics in terms of trying to dissuade you from speaking Spanish. And I'm a case in point, because when I was growing up, uh, my mom, before she sent me to school, she would fill my pockets with pennies because she knew that for every word that I uttered in Spanish in the elementary school, I would be fined a penny. And then my pennies would run out. So, But my language continued, and I still uttered Spanish words. And what would happen then, they would put me in front of the chalkboard with my nose facing the chalkboard for uh, uh, some period of time just to dissuade me from speaking Spanish. But anyway... That's another story. Uh, but the benefits are great in terms of being bilingual. And uh, uh, the other question that you have in terms of the 50-50, I think I'll leave uh, Rob to answer that. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Richard, for saying that. And yes, I was there at the meeting that you when you called uh, parents and people interested in understanding what Boulder Valley School District is going to be doing this coming year. So I would love to hear from from you, Dr. Anderson, about the plan because you introduce also people that will be investigating what models are there and which ones will be the best to implement in our Boulder Valley School District. Thanks, Rosanna. And, and Jim, thanks for the question. Appreciate you listening and calling in. Um, I, you know, I think Nancy said this uh, really well, um, our first caller. Um, there's lots of factors, I think, that can impact student success in any program in school. Um, I think that the research would support both the 50-50 and 90-10 model. I think it depends on context. It depends on the resources and staffing that you have. There's just differences in the programs and implementing the programs in a way so they sustain. You know, our goal is is to, to get this right the first time and make sure that it is culturally embedded in the DNA of this school district so it is here for years to come. And I think that that's really, really important. And, you know, the challenge when that's your goal is sometimes you can't go as fast as some might like. I know that I've engaged with lots of parents um, since I've been here over my past over the past four years. And um, this is an evaluation and a process I think that's long overdue in regards to expanding um, you know, our dual language program. Our plan, Rosanna, is to really take the next year, bring in some external expertise, increase our bandwidth as a district to do some of this deep engagement. Um, we need to see um, not only what programs are best, but what programs will work in our community and the different facets of our community. And then how do those all come together um, to support our students? And so over the course of the next year, uh, the community can expect lots of communication, lots of opportunities to engage in person and otherwise, as we think about how do we create world-class dual language programs here in Boulder that not only serve our community and our kids, but others can come and learn from. I think that would be our goal. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Superintendent Dr. Rob Anderson. Um, like I said to you at the end of the meeting, 
who knows, maybe Boulder Valley School District will create, uh, will be the model for other Boulder, for, for other school districts around the states. And I think that would be absolutely fantastic. I'm going to take you now to a short interview I did with Fiona Foster. And Fiona Foster, I'm going to openly say she is a producer here of Connections. And she went to Washington Bilingual. And here are her, her thoughts. Sure. So my name is Fiona Foster, and I went to uh, what was formerly Washington Bilingual School. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was in the mid-90s, and I lucked out. I joined because my brother uh, joined when he was in elementary or in um, kindergarten, and there happened to be a spot for me to join in third grade. So I did bilingual education from third to fifth grade. I came in speaking no Spanish uh, when I was in third grade and I left being able to understand and learn in both English and Spanish. And your experience was unique because at that time, Washington Bilingual offered the same model or similar model as Unihill that is based on full immersion, you know, but yeah. two immersions, like you did math and science and language arts in both languages. So explain to our listeners, how is that for a kid to go from English to Spanish, not only in language arts, but in science and in math? Yeah, and in, in history and math, I remember learning uh, all of my U.S. history about World War II in my textbook that was all in Spanish. And I think that there's I think that there's a lot of challenges when you're doing that as a young kid, learning new material, and then in a different language around, you know, comprehension and, and understanding to be able to really, you know, use and understand what you're learning, uh, even if it's in, in your first language, let alone your, your second language. Um, but it was really, it was really also easy to switch between the two languages throughout the day. It was kind of what what you did, it was set up as the, the norm and the model. And so it didn't feel, it's it almost feel like, weird. It, it's almost like you, 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 you hit a switch. Huh? That's the reason we call it many times when, as Latinos, you know, we, then when yeah. we go from one language to the other one, we call it code switching. So when I speak Spanish, I'm, you know, I, I am one person. And when I speak English, I am another person that, that happens to you? Um, maybe, yeah. I, I often wonder if it does. Um, if I, I mean, I know that my ability to express who I am in different languages varies, but I, I think sometimes I'm the same, the same person, just in different ways, maybe. Mm. Um, I remember that we used to do this thing when we line up, you'd make a, the L sign with your finger, and then you'd do like one or L sign too, to like, it's sort of, it was like, you talk about code switching, I feel like it was this physical way of communicating to each other and ourselves, like, okay, we're going to go to our first language, we're going to go to our second language, or we'd be in a homeroom that was always mixed, um, English or Spanish speaking, but you were just sort of, you ended up in your homeroom that was in English or Spanish, and so in fourth grade, actually, in, I think in all of my grades, my homeroom was in Spanish in my in my second language. So I would have all of the announcements, all of the morning welcome, everything was in Spanish. Mm -hmm. This is fantastic. Now, looking back to that opportunity of studying 
in a bilingual scene with bilingual people, with bilingual students. What do you think now, you know, looking back, um, can you share with us what has happened with your education? You know, what you decided to go for, like it impacted you being this bilingual being? Yeah, absolutely. It impacted me. I think you use the word opportunity a lot, and I really look at it as an opportunity, um, one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me in my life. I think that it's given me, so first of all, I went on to study anthropology and get my master's in anthropology, and now I do cultural research, and obviously hosting connections is all about connecting with other people. I think that on the practical skill-based level, I'm still able to speak Spanish. I use it, um, you know, regularly. I speak it with friends. I speak it with my husband um, to practice. I think that on a personal level, it really gave me a lot of empathy and understanding for other people uh, who might be in a situation where they don't understand what's happening because I had that experience going in at third grade. I did not, I didn't even know and to have my own little personal translator, I didn't need, I didn't know what was happening at all. But I think it also gave me really great uh, sense of resiliency and accomplishment and also curiosity around other cultures, around other people, and also a lot, a sense of power around what I, I could do in my life. Uh, it really like broke down the barriers of you know, thinking that the world looks one way or that the world is one way. There's many ways of seeing it. And I think that speaking another language is a really beautiful way of stepping into someone else's shoes because you're able to see the world, not just from their eyes, but have their perspective of the world, like coming out of your, out of your mouth, you really gain a, a true empathy for, for different ways of looking at the world. <laughs> oh, that sounds so much fun. What you're saying. Thank you. Yeah. You're, you're drawing a picture to me right now. That's what I love about when you produce connections too. That's Fiona Foster for you sharing with us this um, opportunity that she had earlier in her life to be a bilingual being like she is now. In studios, I also have Luis Licon, who right now he is our intern and he's helping me produce bilingual content. The Noticias Titulares, the headlines in Spanish that we produce. And uh, I have asked him to come in and also share with Dr. Anderson and with Richard Garcia his experience of keeping the language. Luis. Hi. Oh, thank you. Um, well, just to kind of introduce myself, my name is Luis. Um, I'm just an intern here at KGNU. But um, like the way I kind of got presented into like bilingual education was. Um, I'm originally from El Paso, Texas, but I used to live in New Mexico and like gr I grew up in New Mexico. But the way I, I really enjoyed living there and like getting my education, like my primary school and stuff like that was I didn't speak English for the first couple of years of like my life. Um, when I started at kindergarten, I only knew Spanish. Um, but the thing is, one of the things that my school district used to do was, I mean, I think they still do it. I haven't been there in a while, but they had this like advisor kind of in a way where they would like um there'd be some times or during the day where i'll be dedicated to being taught english but with a bilingual aspect so the person who was teaching me already knew spanish and would encourage me throughout like the whole day to 
speak it and keep it but i would also incorporate some of my like english language and like looking at the difference between like a sentence in english and a sentence in spanish and that's how i kind of got like stuck into like the spanish um like language but also like i mean once i started learning english i guess that kind of went away but i remember that my teachers throughout grade school all the way up to like maybe fifth grade would encourage me to still speak spanish within the classroom within my peers instead of telling me not to mm -hmm. so i feel like um having someone to like be there and help a student out who doesn't know english and still kind of encourage them to do um spanish like make making sure they still speak spanish but also like incorporating that bilingual aspect in like mm. education and stuff like that luis licon uh, thank you so much for sharing that i think that you are referring to something that i have heard that when you learn your language and the other language you can compare the structure and it really makes much more sense and i have heard that those that become bilingual really can go back and forth but also understand the structure of language i'm not an expert in this but it seems like if you do not teach the mother tongue to the student something gets lost what are your thoughts about this dr anderson luis it's Great to hear your story and incredibly encouraging uh, that the school district that you had the ability to, to participate in um, encouraged you to keep your native language. And I think that as we move forward as a community, that's something that we need to put right at the forefront. How do we, as students come in, um, and if, and if you know, Spanish is their first language, how do we encourage them and their families to keep that and learn English side by side? Um, I think that that is that takes a community-wide effort, and I, I do I do think that there's an aspects of our community. And Richard and I have had this conversation. He could speak to this more in depth, where there are some families who feel like that you know that that don't understand the value of making sure that you keep both languages, and and feel in some ways maybe pressure to just speak English, and to not speak Spanish, and. Again, we are viewing this, and as superintendent of the school district, I'm viewing, you know, the ability to be bilingual is such an asset. Uh, it's such an asset for our community. You know, Richard spoke to this earlier. It's an aspect to our workforce needs. It's an aspect, uh, I, I just, just, a, it's just an incredible, I think, value add um, to those students. And it's something that's incredibly special, and we should treat it that way. Um, and I think that as we begin to really connect with our community, you know, my hope is to learn more about, um, you know, where people are and continue to encourage our students who come in speaking Spanish to make sure that they maintain their Spanish, um, but also learn English at the same time. And how do we create the systems and structures to really value that as a school district? Dr. Anderson, thank you so much for saying that. I also want to not let go of this opportunity and ask you about and briefly because we are talking the topic is bilingual education but i want also to give you the opportunity to tell us about the effort of helping close the gap between the latino students and the anglo students in boulder valley school district what is being done what are your big picture ideas so when um, I had the opportunity to come here four years ago, I spent the first 100 days on a mission to engage our community to really listen um, 
to the things that were happening and what our goal was for community as a community for the future of our school district. Use that information to embark on a six-month process to develop um, a comprehensive five-year strategic plan to, to really address those issues and create some strategies to move us forward. The result was all, all together for all students strategic plan, um, which is, is designed to make sure all kids get challenging and relevant instruction to reduce the disparities in achievement, Rosanna, that you've clearly articulated, and to make sure that when kids leave us in the Boulder Valley School District, they have everything they need to be successful, which is academic, making sure that they're, they're socially, emotionally taken care of, and to build the other sets of skills that we know that kids are going to need to enter the world that they'll be entering after they leave us. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of work over the past several years in this idea to reduce disparities in achievement. Um, and uh, we have 13 initiatives. I'd invite folks to go to our website, www.bvsd.org, and learn more about our All Together for All Students strategic plan. The majority of our initiatives are geared toward making sure that we close these opportunity and achievement gaps with the big idea that it starts with opportunities for all students, which then leads to growth for students, which then leads to achievement. Right. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the urgency to do this work. Right. But we're also trying to do this well. So the things that we stand up and do stand the test of time. Um, so you start with opportunities that leads to growth and it leads to achievement. So the achievement gaps are going to be slow to close and narrow. But if you do the right work yeah. uh, and you and you build the solid foundation those gaps will begin to close, to narrow and close. I know that this is, you know, my work as a, as a, as an educator over 26 years has evolved three different school systems where I've focused on equity work everywhere I've been. And I know, and I've seen that the things we're doing or what research would support will close and narrow those, those gaps. Um, it's what our community has asked for. You know, we, we gathered over 2000 um, data inputs when we built our strategic plan. So I know with confidence, this is our community is behind us. And so we're just taking the time to make sure that we do it well. Um, and I begin, you will begin to see those gaps closing over the course of the next several year. I'm very, years, I'm, I'm, I'm confident and very excited to see that happen. Dr. Rob Anderson, superintendent of Boulder Valley School District. We also have Richard Garcia here. And I think since we're doing the mano a mano, there's a response coming from you, Richard. Well, yeah, the response is, is a positive response. One is that uh, from the get-go, you know, because I, I was involved in the interview process for getting Dr. Anderson into our district, and uh, one of the things that I heard loud and clear is uh, his concern on, on gaps, whether they're opportunity or achievement, uh, and uh, and his, his vision uh, in terms of trying to make sure that, uh, that those gaps are, are, are narrowed. Um, the one thing I did like about Dr. Anderson is that he understood who the gap kids were in our district. They were our free and reduced lunch kids. They were our Latino kids. In Boulder Valley School District, we have over 5,000 Latino children enrolled in our school system. And uh, if you look at the gaps, whether they're achievement, uh, you're going to see the gap between the Latino students and their white counterparts as it relates to achievement. 
And, and, and Rob understood that. And he says, this is unexcusable. This is not, uh, this can't continue happening. So we're going to do something about it. And then when he started developing the uh, strategic plan, I saw that he had the right components in that strategic plan in order to reduce the uh, opportunity and achievement gaps, uh, especially for the kids that I just mentioned. And uh, then the other element that I really appreciate a lot about Rob is his engagement with the community. When I mentioned to him, you know, Rob, maybe we ought to have a Latino Parent Advisory Council. Immediately he did that. He brought in the the couple, what we call couple, uh, and uh, it started working with the Latino Parent Advisory Council. And I attended the first few meetings with him and the Latino community. And the Latino community was so motivated to want to do things because of Rob's positive comments and that all of this past discrimination and stuff like that is not tolerable anymore. It's not going to happen. So that's one thing I do appreciate a lot about Rob. There's an opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. Huge opportunities. And then and then he also visits with, with other community groups like El Paso, for example. Uh, he does have periodic Zoom meetings with El Paso. And I know that because my wife is the executive director of El Paso. Not that I'm eavesdropping or nothing like that, but I do see him on the screen. But, but he does talk uh, about some of the issues and understands the issues that our families are faced with in a number of things here in, in, in our district. So, so that's, that's the thing that, that I enjoy a lot about being on the school board and being in, in the school district now because we do have some very, very great leaders in our district, starting from Rob all the way down to your, his, his uh, reports, like, like the assistant superintendents, et cetera, and all the way down to some of the principals. You know? so, so he is, uh, you know, we're lucky to have Rob, period. Richard, maybe this is the moment when we can really turn open the door, like I like to say. This is a moment. We are also having a huge opportunity here in the station to open the door to more bilingual, um, bicultural people and also to create more content. So I am going to be selfish. I'm going to say I do need you to please provide more bilingual, bicultural students so that they can occupy this safe space that we provide here. It's going to happen. I mean, part of the stuff that, that Rob is really, really focused on is with Graduation Plus, and he can talk a little bit more about that, is that when kids leave the high schools in our district, they'll be ready for the workforce, and they'll be ready to go to college or whatever whatever they want to do. They'll be ready. And when I talk about Graduation Plus, that's part of the pillars that he talked about in terms of making sure that kids have an opportunity, a K-12 opportunity to be bilingual in this district. And you talked about models. It will be a national model. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Richard Garcia, Dr. Rob Anderson here in studios with me. We only have two more minutes. I'm not even going to say call us because it is too too short, but I just want to appreciate that we have two calls this morning, that we had participation from our intern, and that we were able to also listen from Fiona Foster today about bilingual education. I think that 
it's super important at this moment to bring this to, you know, to highlight this. Why? Because the new data from the census is showing that our men of color are not getting the education that they should. They are not acquiring the homes and they are not opening new businesses. This is a new data that is extremely sad. So it is extremely important, I think, to highlight the the need for creating a safe space, especially for men of color. What are your thoughts about that? And I think I'm going to let you close. Just last one comment, uh, Rosanna, and uh, you, you brought in Fiona. Uh, you, uh, we listened to Fiona. Uh, I think we need to start looking at some of the Latino kids that have gone through the bilingual ed program, uh, either at Uni Hill or at Pioneer, and see what they've accomplished now, later on in life. I can name individuals that have gotten their PhDs, that are now current principals, that are now doing all kinds of wonderful things because of their opportunity to be in a K-5 bilingual dual language immersion program. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Rob Anderson. Now you have that mano a mano. You can take on the, the conversation. Rosanna, first of all, I want to just thank you again for the opportunity to be here. It's truly an honor. I want to thank everybody who had the opportunity to listen today. Uh, we're really excited. We know and understand the value of bilingual education. Again, we're we're so lucky to have uh, Richard Garcia on our board of education to kind of help uh, go help guide us and and share the history and 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 keep us engaged. Um, over the course of the next year, again, I would expect uh, that all community members would have opportunities to provide input uh, to engage with us as we begin begin to develop these programs. Um, Rosanna, I would just want to encourage you to keep up the great work. Uh, we'd be love to come back and give you a progress update as as we start those processes uh, next year and just again thank you for the opportunity to be here thank you so much i want to thank our guests today richard garcia and dr rob anderson for all the deep engagement with a complex topic of bilingual education and the need to expand the dual language learning and the equity lens that you would like to bring in benefit of the kids that are bilingual, bicultural, and also to those who want to acquire a second language. And that's all the time we have. It's already 9.30 here in the studios. And if you wanted to call us, well, it will be next time when we have the opportunity to have, again, a mano a mano with Dr. Rob Anderson and with Richard Garcia. I want to thank you again. And now... I'm going to say I have been your host, Rosanna Longo-Better. Please stay tuned for two hours and a half of music of Sound Alternative. Thank you so much today. And this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you.